I, I like the way that Gary kind of invited me to come and then just shot off on holiday. But you know, that's, <laughs> that sounds like the way he does things. So, um, and um, he invited me and he asked if I could talk about kind of encountering God uh, and the things of the Spirit and that kind of thing. And uh, I thought, oh, that's excellent because that's just up uh, my street. But I don't know if you guys are aware of um, the whole debate that there is sort of that's gone on for decades in the wider Christian church. The debate between what people would call cessationism on the one hand and continuationism on the other hand. So I'll explain what those things mean. So cessationism is the, is the teaching that the gifts of the Spirit ceased when the apostolic age finished. Okay. So the idea that um, when, the, when Jesus was working and when the apostles was, were working, uh, th- their message needed to be authenticated uh, and um, kind of given a heavenly stamp of approval uh, by the signs and wonders that they performed and the, and the gifts and the miraculous gifts of the Spirit. And that was to authenticate as a one-time only unique period in history to kind of confirm that the Bible is correct, to confirm that Jesus is the Son of God, to confirm that the apostolic message is authentic. And then once that was written and the apostolic age was over, we no longer need the gifts of the Spirit because, um, you know, that's now been done and we now have the Bible. And so we can live, look to the Bible and that can carry us through for the rest of time through the power of God's word. So that would be the kind of cessationist position, okay? Do you understand that? You're probably familiar with that, okay? On the other hand, there would be the continuationists who would say that the gifts of the Spirit continue through the ages until Christ returns. Or we might call it the charismatic position, that the, the charismatic gifts, we are a charismatic church, we believe in the gifts of the Spirit, are still for today, not just for yesterday. And you'd have kind of people on both sides and you, it can get a little bit nasty and you can have people like John MacArthur talking about strange fire and all this sort of stuff saying that it's all you know not good uh, and so on so what do we think about this whole debate and um, I'm going to tell you today uh, that because Gary's not here so I can say what I want although I hear that I've got a, there's a spy in the room and he's going to be listening um, um, but I'm, I'm going to tell you today that there is a sense in which I am a cessationist so you might have booked the wrong speaker I'm afraid because um, I don't feel like that's where you guys are at is that right uh, I'm a cessationist right I'll explain, of course, what I mean, because I'm kind of playing with words a little bit. Um, So let me explain what I'm talking about. So if we were to have a look in the Bible in 1 Corinthians, uh, 1 Corinthians chapter uh, 12 to 14. And there in 1 Corinthians 12, uh, we have the gifts of the Spirit listed, don't we? There in chapter 12, it talks about uh, how God has uh, given us his gifts. There are different kinds of gifts, he says in verse 7, but the same Spirit. Uh, there are different kinds of um, of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but the same God works all of them in all. Now to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. To one there is given through the Spirit, the message of wisdom, to another the message of knowledge, 
by means of the same spirit to another faith by the same spirit to another gift of healing by that one spirit to another miraculous powers to another prophecy to another distinguishing between spirits to another speaking in different kinds of tongues and so on so it talks there about the gifts of the spirit and then we have chapter 13 and you'd be surprised to hear that chapter 13 fits, sits between chapters 12 and 14. <laughs> it's amazing how kind of the numbers work like that, isn't it? And chapter 13 comes before chapter 14. Chapter 14 talks about the gifts of the Spirit again, and particularly about prophecy and tongues, and how we should eagerly desire uh, the gifts, especially the gifts of prophecy. In the middle of those two chapters about the gifts, is chapter 13, which everybody knows, because we've all been to weddings, is about love, okay? And uh, we were at a wedding yesterday, and this was read out. And it was completely out of context, because this chapter isn't about weddings or marriage, by the way. But we can still read it at weddings, that's fine. But it's talking about love, and it's talking about how ultimately the one thing that remains and the one thing that counts is love. And it's saying, I mean, Jesus said, didn't he, that he summarised the Ten Commandments as being that we should love God with everything that we have and that we should love our neighbour as ourselves. Love is what ultimately we're aiming for. The ultimate state that we will be in will be in a perfect state of love. Perfect love for God when we're, as we are singing earlier, when we're with him face to face, perfect love for God and perfect love for our brothers and for our fellow men. That's the ultimate state of perfect holiness is love. All you need is love, as they sing. That's the ultimate aim. And that's what we need. But we're not there yet. Uh, are we? We've still got a long way to go in this journey of love. But whilst we're waiting for that day, God says that we have these gifts to help us on the journey. So one day we won't need these gifts. So what we see, and I'm just going to move slightly forward so I get a little bit more light on my on my. Uh, um, Bible. If we move forward uh, and we look in uh, 1 Corinthians 13 and uh, verse um, 8, it says, Love never fails, but where there are prophecies, they will cease. And where there are tongues, they will be stilled. And where there is knowledge, it will pass away. For we know in part and we prophesy in part, but when perfection comes, the perfect, the imperfect disappears. When I was a child, I talked like a child, I thought like a child, I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I put, a, 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 put childish ways behind me. Now we see but a poor reflection, as in a mirror, but then we will see face to face. Now I know in part, then I shall know fully, even as I am fully known. And now these three things remain, faith, hope and love, but the greatest of these is love. So the, the Apostle Paul gives us kind of four pictures of our current state and our future state. He says that at this time, we are imperfect, but one day we will be perfect. At this time, we are like children, but one day we will be mature. We will put away childish things and we will be fully mature adults, in, spiritually speaking. 
Thirdly, he uses the picture of sight. And he says that at this time we see through a mirror dimly, but one day we will see absolutely clearly face to face. And fourthly, he uses the image of knowledge. He says that right now our knowledge is partial, but then we shall know fully as we are fully known. So those four images there, the imperfect will turn to the perfect, childish will grow to maturity, poor sight will go to perfect 2020 vision, and partial knowledge will turn into full knowledge. But at this time, we're in the state of the imperfect, the immature, the, uh, the partially sighted, and the imperfect knowledge. That's where we are right now. And whilst we're in this time, we need God's help to get through until that time when we will be made perfect and mature and see everything clearly. And so he says that at that time, prophecy will cease. So that's why I'm a cessationist, not because I believe the gifts of the Spirit should stop now, but because there will be a day when we won't know them anymore, they will cease. So the question is not whether they'll cease, it's just when they will cease. And I don't think it was back in the apostolic age, I think it's in the future. And I'm sure you do as well. It's a little bit like this. Um, we have uh, lights on in this room right now. But if it was a bright, bright day, and I guess I suppose if we had a few more windows or whatever, once the sun comes out, you turn the lights off because you don't need them anymore. I mean, my home, I have this battle. Dads, anyone tell me, or mums, right? I go around turning lights off. <laughs> I mean, it's just, the other day, my son, he, he's, he's 19, he's back from university at the moment. I went into his room, he's off at work putting up marquees, and his bedside light is on. And I'm thinking, how is this helping anybody for the eight to ten hours whilst he's out of the house? How is this light helping anybody when there's no one in the room? But even more, there's light coming in from the sun into the room. Why do we need the light on? So I'm turning it off because he's wasting my money and he's ruining the planet. So, but we're so frustrated. Any fathers around here? Yeah, anyone else have light towards mums? Mums do it. Uh, she leaves them on. She leaves them on. You turn them off. They look pretty, I see, I see. Well, <laughs> the thing is, once the sun comes out, you can turn the lights off. Once the Son of God comes in all his glory, we can turn the lights off. We don't need prophecy anymore. We see him face to face. We know it all. We'll understand. It'll make sense. But right now, we're not in that place. And therefore, right now, we need his grace to sustain us through this time. And we need to live by faith and we need to have hope in the future. It says here, and I don't know if you've ever thought about this, but in verse um, 13, it says that these three things remain, faith, hope and love. But the greatest of these is love. You see, at the moment, we do need faith because we can't see everything. In fact, the evidence in front of us is often quite discouraging, isn't it? Therefore, we need faith to see with spiritual eyes the promises of God and the things that God has said to us, because the evidence sometimes appears to the contrary. And so we need to live by faith in the Son of God who loved us and gave himself for us, as Paul says in Galatians 2, 
20, we live by faith, not by sight. God loves faith. God is, God is attracted to faith. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. But when we live by faith, we see beyond what is immediately in front of us. So at this time, we do need faith and we need hope. Hope in a future that God has promised for us. So we need faith and hope, but there is a time when we will no longer need faith and we'll no longer need hope because we'll have God in front of us and he will have made everything right. And we need no more hope because our hope will be fulfilled. But at that time, love will remain. The greatest of these is love. And so, therefore, we are in this time between the times, if you like. If I were to use an image for you of how we need faith at this time, it would be a little bit like this. Imagine if you were the pilot of an aeroplane, and there you are in the cockpit, and you're flying at 5,000 feet or whatever the height you're flying, and uh, it's a beautiful blue day, and you're flying, you can see for miles, and it's fantastic, and you can see the landmarks, and you can see the blue sky, <coughs> and everything's perfect, and it's all wonderful. And then suddenly you're plunged into the clouds. And you're flying this aeroplane and you can't see a thing. And you're thinking, well, am I still at the right height? Um, are we still going in the right direction? Um, is there any issues? You don't know. What do you do when you're in the clouds? When the despair and the clouds are on you, what do you do? Well, you have to look at the instruments in front of you. What do they say? They say, yep, you're still at 5,000 feet. Yep, you're still on course. Trust what the instruments say. You can't see it, but it says it, and that's enough. You're okay, you're in the right place. It doesn't feel like it, but it's okay because God says, God's given you promises. It doesn't feel like things are going very well, but God's promises never will I leave you, nor will I forsake you. You can hold on to what it says. It's true. You think, well, oh, no, how, I'm, you know, how are we going to get through with all cost of living? We haven't got the money. How can we do it? And so on. And then you look at what it says. He's Jehovah Jireh, our provider. He cares for us as he cares for the birds of the air and the lilies of the field. He'll provide. He'll clothe us. He'll give us what we need. You think, oh, but what about my future? I don't know what's happening. God says, I, I, I've got a hope and a future for you. You have to trust what he says when you're in the clouds. So you need to live by faith in the Son of God who loved us and gave himself for us, even when we're in the clouds. That's why we need faith. You see, there are times when we're up on the mountaintop, and it's fantastic, isn't it? And it's wonderful as we've been worshipping tonight. Oh, it all makes perfect sense. And then tomorrow morning you go into work and bang, suddenly you're in the valley. Suddenly you need faith. You go home and there's the kids to sort out, you know, or whatever it is, the challenges of life. And at that point, you need to live by faith and hold on to God. Trust and obey, there's no other way than to trust and obey what Jesus has to say. And so uh, we are in this time and um, therefore he goes on in chapter 14 to tell us that we should eagerly desire spiritual gifts, 
that we should eagerly desire especially the gift of prophecy. And he says it three times in the chapter, in verse 12 of verse chapter 14 as well, that you should eagerly desire spiritual gifts um, and try to excel in the gifts that build up the church. But we're in the last days because what happened was that when Jesus ascended into heaven, he poured out his spirit and that day of Pentecost happened. And Peter stood up because people said, what's going on? All these people there seem to be so full of the spirit. They seem so happy. Are they drunk? What's going on? And Peter stood up and in Acts chapter 2 and verse 17, he quoted from Joel. And he said, uh, he quoted this. What's happening here is what Joel promised in the last days God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people and your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions and your old men will dream dreams. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days and they will prophesy. So Peter says the last days have begun. By the way, when was that? In AD 30 or whatever it was. Okay, that's when the last days began. The last days began then, and the last days was in AD 50 and AD 100 and AD 1000 and AD 2000 and 2023. This is still the last days. We're in the last days because the last days biblically is from the time of Christ's ascension until his return. These are the last days. It's not just that little bitty bitty bit at the very end before he comes back. We are in the last days in which he would pour out his Holy Spirit. And those days will be brought to an end when he returns. And so what is it like in these last days? Well, on the one hand, it's a time of the Spirit. On the other hand, it's also a terrible time. The Apostle Paul says in 2 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 1, In 2 Timothy 3 and verse 1, he says, But mark this, there will be terrible times in the last days. People will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boastful, proud, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, without love, unforgiving, slanderous, without um, self-control, brutal, not lovers of the good, treacherous, rash, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having a form of godliness but denying its power. So we live in a a world where it's tough, isn't it? And there's all sorts of stuff going on and there's people we have to deal with and there's issues and and we're, we're not perfect either, are we? So it's difficult. And so we're in this place, it's it's a little bit like, let me give you the picture from the Old Testament that I think parallels this. Back in the Old Testament, God brought Israel out of Egypt. You remember how that happened? You remember how God sent the plagues and Moses led the people out of slavery? There they were in slavery under Pharaoh and God set his people free. They came through the Red Sea. And the waters of judgments that judged the, 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 the Egyptians set the, released the people through free. They came through out of slavery. Wonderful. Set free. How fantastic. 
And now they're in the desert, in the wilderness. And they've got the land of slavery behind them, and they've got the land of promise, the, the promised land in front of them. But right here, right now, they're in the wilderness, in this funny in-between place, between the past and the future. And they're in the desert. And it's a challenge, you can imagine. They're in the desert and the kids are grumbling and they're getting hungry and there's no water and there's no food and it's, it's going around in circles and it's hot and it's tough. They're in the wilderness. And they grumble. In fact, if we were to have a look in Exodus um, chapter 16, we see that the people were moaning. The whole community, it says, were grumbling and moaning whilst they were there in the desert. They were complaining. and said, oh, the good old days back in Egypt when we had watermelons and pomegranates and cucumbers. Why can't we go back to there? But we can't. We're, we're here now. And they're moaning and they're grumbling. And we can be like that. We've, we've been set free from slavery to sin. We've been set free and yet we can think, oh yeah, but you know, everyone's going to Glastonbury and everyone's sleeping around and people are taking drugs and people are just buying new cars and getting new houses and building their careers and, and all those things. And of course, some of those things are okay. Some of them are not, as you, I hope you realise. But some of those things are okay to have. Um, but, but, but we can look back and think, oh yeah, wow, I wish maybe I wish I could be back there and, and so on. And now, and now look, look at us, we're, we've left that stuff behind. We can't go back to it. We, we're, God saved us from sin. I can't go back to sin. I've been set free from slavery. But now it's tough going against the tide and, and being different and, and trying to follow God in the midst of a world that's kind of hostile and so on. It's just, this is difficult. This is, this is a tough, tough uh, uh, gig that I've got. And there's this promised land, there's this future that we're looking forward into. We've been singing about it. But right now, we're in the wilderness. So they're grumbling, they're complaining. And then, of course, we know what God does. He sends manna from heaven for them. And it says that I will rain down bread from heaven for you. And the people are to go out each day and uh, gather enough for... Uh, this is really bad, the light, I'm afraid. I'm going to have to come forward a bit. Here we go. How about we just come from here? So they, they gather and I, they will, you can go out each day and gather enough for, uh, for that day. And in this way, I will test them to see whether they will follow my instructions. And then it says, oh, that's better, thank you. In verse 17, it says, The Israelites did as they were told, and some gathered uh, much, and some gathered little. And uh, when they had measured it by the omer, he who gathered much and he who had uh, too much uh, did not have too much, and he who gathered little did not have too little. Each one gathered as much as he needed. So God gave them manna, so that they could be sustained in the wilderness. Day by day, he gave them what they needed whilst they were in that place. And it's quite interesting to notice here, isn't it, that some gathered quite a lot, some gathered less, 
but they each gathered as much as they needed. Do you know that God is able to give you exactly what you need in your circumstances, in your season, in your life? He can give you what you need. He can meet your needs. Whatever they are, whatever the challenges, they are tailor-made to you that he can meet your needs. And he'll give you what you need and he'll give someone else what they need and it'll be different. But he's clever like that, he can do it. And he's a good God and so they give him this manner. And then do you notice how um, God says to them, don't collect any manna for tomorrow, just collect enough for today. By the way, just before I go on to that, let me just make a quick comment, which is this, that I'm not saying that the Christian life is just like living in a desert. That, that's, that wouldn't be helpful. It isn't actually just like live, living in a desert. It, it is tough, but there is great blessing as well, of course. There is a sense in which that future promised land is breaking into the here and now for us, isn't there? And we believe that God is bringing that eschatological future into the present. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So we're expectant that there is blessing in the desert, unlike for them, that there is a taste, a foretaste. He's given us his Holy Spirit as a seal of the future inheritance that we have. And so we do have the joy we can be joyful, we can sing joyful songs because we do right now have God's blessing and his joy and we can see the inbreaking of his kingdom. We can see him doing exciting things and doing new things in our lives and in our churches and in our communities because God is out at work in this world here and now. So it isn't just a desert. There is exciting stuff. It's not just steak on a plate. Well, it's not just pie in the sky when we die. It's steak on a plate while we wait as well. All right, we get to enjoy the good stuff now as well. Not just future. It's not just waiting for the future. In the meantime, oh, it's just really tough. Just have to get through this. You know, it isn't. No, no. There's blessing for us as well. Now it's going to be even greater. Then it's going to be amazing. It tells us in Revelation 21 and that. Um, in Revelation 21, I'll just read this to you quickly. It says there that, um, uh, And then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and there was no longer any sea. And I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Now the dwelling of God is with men, and he will uh, live with them, and they will be his people, and God himself will be with them and be their God. And he will wipe every tear from their eyes, and there will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain, for the old order of things has passed away. That's the future. And notice this future. I don't think that we're going to heaven I think that heaven's coming to earth. And this passage says that the bride is going to come down and the dwelling of God is going to be with man. God is going to make all things right here on this earth. And it's going to be heaven on earth. 
not just fluffy angels and flying around in the clouds. It's going to be God restoring, making all things right here on earth. It's going to be heaven on earth. And the bride is going to be the beautiful one. And he's going to say to his bride, you're beautiful, the church. That's going to be us. It's amazing to think, especially when we look around at us lot. Uh, but that's what he says. Uh, that's the future that we can look forward to. But, but in the meantime, whilst there is blessing, there is also challenges, isn't there? There's blessings and there's battles. That's what Christian life just feels like, really, doesn't it? Blessings and battles, blessings and battles, all kind of like juxtaposed upon one another. Now, how do we react when we're in, in those battles? How do we react when we're, the time, uh, we're in the wilderness? We've got to make a choice. We can either grumble, and you can kind of understand why they were grumbling, or you can take the manna that he's giving you. You can have a moan, or you can have the manna. I thought of that earlier this afternoon. I hope you like it. I'll say it again, just for, because uh, you can have a moan, or you can have the manna, all right? Because he is willing to give us manna every day. And it says, you know, it says, now don't take any for tomorrow. And some of them disobeyed and did. And then the next morning it was full of maggots. And it's like, no, no, yesterday's manna is not good enough for today. You don't, you're not going to live off yesterday's manna. You can't get through today on yesterday's encounters. You need today his manna. You need him every day to give you manna from heaven to sustain you in the wilderness. We, we need to feed on him. We need to have that rhythm of life where it's in our daily experiences that we're drawing and trusting in him. And uh, you can do that different ways. I'm, I'm currently using the Dwell Bible app and listening to the Psalms and so on on my dog walk and, and then just stopping and reading. And, and that's really been feeding me, actually. I've been really finding that helpful. Might be good songs that you listen to. I'm listening to the Cody Khan's album at the moment that's just got great songs on it and stuff. Great theological truth in it. Uh, but, but we need manna each day. And then there's this weekly thing as well. It says here, you know, don't uh, collect for two days for the Sabbath. There's this talk about Sabbath. There is a day like today, which is a day where we can come and we can feast and feed on him as we are today in the sea thing, where he can give us food and rest for the next week that we go into. And we need that. I think Christians these days underestimate the importance and the value of the Lord's day and, and what God can do as we gather together as his people. And it's not only a matter of obedience that we should, I think, honour the Lord's day, but it's also a matter of great blessing that as we do that, God can feed us and nourish us and strengthen us for the journey ahead into the week. But I want to just really say this. I guess this is my biggest burden for you today is that God gives us not yesterday's manner, but manner for today. He gives us what we need today. I mean, the last two days I've preached three times, yesterday at a wedding, 
um, this morning at the, the Vine Church in, in Odium, and now this evening. And it would have been quite tempting, I will confess, to, to use the same message three times. <laughs> All right? and, and I thought about it. Um, uh, uh, but, and I could have adjusted it a little bit to make it fit the context. But I actually knew and I felt, no, I felt I've got a message for you guys tonight that isn't what I said yesterday, it isn't what I said this morning. So it's the first time I've ever preached it because I felt it's for you today and tonight to share it with you. So I've never preached from this passage before. But I, I think you know, God gives us, you can't live off yesterday's words. You, can't, you can live off yesterday's promises. You can remind yourself of God's promises from the past and bring them back to him. But we need to keep God speaking to us. We need those fresh revelations for a fresh season. We need fresh insights for, for new things that God is doing. We need new encounters with God for new days that he takes us into. As a church, we need to keep hearing God for the next thing. What is he saying? I'll, I'll tell you a quick story. Um, a few years ago, so I've been in Odium for just over 30 years. Um, however, there was a period where I was helping to plant a church. I led a, a church plant uh, here in Basingstoke. And uh, for a season, I was involved uh, in leading that, uh, that plant. And then uh, I'd have done my job and handed over to a new guy to, to go and lead that. Uh, and uh, by the way, this is great, this is better, so just stay here. But anyway, um, I, uh, I, I uh, handed it over and I've had this real, real vision for it. But I was pleased to hand it over to a new pastor. I went back to Odium and I felt like I was Bilbo Baggins back in the Shire. Back in little sleepy green Odium, you know, I've been on my world travels all the way to Basingstoke. <laughs> and now I'm back in little sleepy old Odium. And it's, what's my life going to be like now? I'm just going to drink cups of tea with people and, and that's going to be it, is it? And I'm thinking, no, please, because, Lord, I need fresh vision for where I am now. And I thought, you know, I honestly thought, I, if I don't get fresh faith for this church... In the next year, I'm going to have to move on because you have to live by faith. You have to be in a place of faith. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. You need to be hearing God. You need to have faith for what you're doing. And it doesn't have to be a huge, big voice from the sky. You just have to be in a place of peace, in a place of, yes, this is what God has said. And I, I was there and I was thinking, Lord, either show me what the vision is or, or I need to move on. And then he did. He downloaded this really big vision for me for a multi-site church in Hart District with different congregations. And we started a new one in Fleet and we're looking at the next one after that and so on. But it's a compelling vision. I've now got faith for where I am. And, uh, and I'm finding that God speaks. I mean, a few uh, weeks ago, uh, I felt God uh, said to me, I was just praying and uh, I felt he said to me that I should spend a day a week on Fleet High Street. And I live in Odium, uh, but we have a congregation in Fleet and I felt he was saying that. So I arranged to go and uh, work from a Christian bookshop on Fleet High Street and then just to go out onto the streets and try and talk to people. Um, and uh, we're redesigning our logo, so I thought well, I can just ask people what they think of the logo and then hopefully we can get talking with the people. And so I was just doing that. And there was one day when I was doing this and 
Um, I had a morning where it's quite discouraging to be on a couple of hours where people were just I'm too busy no thank you very much church no thank you no one wanted to talk to me I had a couple of conversations but it wasn't great and it got to lunchtime and I thought okay my um, my car park tickets about to run out uh, I think I'll, I'll probably quit call it quits now and um, and then all of a sudden I felt like uh, God just kind of said in my ear just put the nets down again in the water and um, I kind of thought, oh, go and renew my parking ticket for two extra hours. So I went and did it. And I went back onto the streets. And, I st- and the next person I met was this, this lady called Sue, who was a sort of backseating Christian who had issues with alcohol. And we spent some time, and we spent 45 minutes talking. And, and then she turned up at church the next, uh, the next week. And then as I was about to leave, I got talking to another couple. Uh, and uh, lo and behold, again, about uh, three weeks after that, they turned up at church. Those two hours, three people came to church as a result of, of me just sort of, well, first feeling that God had told me to be on Feet High Street and then being willing to kind of just put the nets down again and try again. And we, we need to be walking with God. We need to be keeping in step with the Spirit. And, and as we do that, God loves faith. He loves it when you're in a place of faith, when you're trusting God, when you're believing God. He's pleased with that. And he can bring blessing as you do that. So I want to encourage you guys to keep pressing in. Keep allowing God to give you, through the ordinary means of grace, to sustain you in the wilderness to sustain you through his words. Yeah, how are you doing with reading the word of God at this time? You got a little routine going, does it help? I know it's busy life, isn't it? We don't always we feel like it's too hectic. Do you get a chance just to stop and hear God? Do you have that weekly thing? Do you, do you, do you feed on him? Do you, do, you, do you feed on him the manna from heaven? Take the manna, take it, let him give it to you day by day, let him feed you, let him sustain you and, and of course there's the water from the rock as well they were grumbling about water and then Moses struck the rock and the water came out uh, and uh, they had the water as well and then Jesus tells us in, in, in the New Testament that uh, we are that he is the water he is that rock and he is the water that brings uh, life eternal life it tells us in john 7 he says on the last and greatest day of the feast he stood up and said in a loud voice uh, that he was the water of life that anyone who was thirsty could come to him and drink and be satisfied we can drink from the rock which is christ and we can be satisfied by christ christ is enough jesus is enough jesus is more than enough for everything that we could ever need. He is the answer to every problem. He is the one who is mighty and worthy of our praise. And he's the one who wants to bless you as you trust in him. Trust and obey. There is no other way. Let us be those people who continually encourage one another. Let's stir up the gifts. Let's use our gifts to bless one another. We can give manna to one another. We can go and collect a bit of manna and give it to other people. Here in the church, as you gather, you've got a gift, you share it. You, you, one person has a prophecy, another tongue, another person has a, you know, we share these things. So we can sustain together as we break bread, as we do other things. We can, as a community, also be sustained through the, our seasons as a church. And I want to pray for you 
you guys that God would really refresh you, give you fresh faith for your life. And uh, I want to pray if any of you are in a difficult time, if any of you are struggling, then that God would just lift your head and help you. It's not easy, but he can be with you in that. And I want to pray for you as a church that you have fresh faith for a fresh season of blessing for Hope Community Church here in Basingstoke. He's got more for you. There's more to happen. There's the kingdom of God that's breaking in amongst you and he's going to do great things. He's going to continue to do more. And so I'd encourage you to press in, keep pressing in to him.